this is are you familiar with this podcast with your host kush bhat we have a paranormal investigator miranda yang with me she is real life paranormal investigator riding on her harley davidson to investigate haunting sites and capturing unbelievable and yes scary phenomena on her recorder she will explore the world of paranormal investigation and she also runs her ghost biker exploration on youtube thank you miranda for coming on board for this episode yes thank you for having me kush i'm very fortunate and excited that um, you know i'll gonna share mike with a paranormal investigator i'm very excited to be here and share the mic with you as well so listeners brace yourself for a true and scary convo with our today's guest Miranda Young so let's enter the haunted house so Miranda uh, let our listeners familiar with one thing or phenomena about uh, ghost or paranormal activities which we still are unaware with it Well, you know, there there's actually a lot out there that that sometimes, you know, people may not be aware of. Um, you know, there are a lot of paranormal investigators. I travel around the country here in the US on my motorcycle to different haunted and historic locations. I think a lot of people think that maybe they are always dark and scary type entities, but I'm into it for the history. And so a lot of people don't always realize that that it doesn't always have to be a scary experience that you can learn a lot from from some of these encounters that we have as far as their story and the history. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So tell us a bit about, you know, where are you from and how did this all things started with you? Absolutely. So I'm here in Southeast Tennessee, excuse me, I'm here in Southeast Tennessee in the United States and I started investigating about 12 years ago with a team. I was going out in and exploring different haunted and historic locations all around the country with the team as well as doing residential investigations at people's homes. Um I did that for about 13 years and then 4 years ago I started ghost biker explorations. I found that I was going out on my motorcycle a lot on my own when I wasn't investigating with the team and I was visiting a lot of uh haunted and historic locations and photographing them while I was out. I started sharing all of that on my social media sites. and um i decided you know why don't i document this through video and show you know some of these different locations and tell the story behind them so that's really how ghost biker explorations was born uh i stepped away from the team because i did their their photography uh analyzing as well as putting their videos together and investigating but i didn't have the time to do both and so i stepped away to uh see where where i could go with ghost biker yes absolutely so since how long you are you are doing this like individually i've been doing it by myself for 4 years and typically i will either go to these locations alone and uh video for my youtube series 
or I will have someone else with me and it will be myself and a videographer. So we've been doing that for four years. Okay. All right. Very, very cool and very interesting stuff. So uh, Miranda, what was your clincher that now you want to do this for your, let's say for your whole life? Well, you know, I'm always seeking answers um, to, you know, see if we can figure out some of the different things that that we're experiencing. And and then also to to tell the story, you know, to really go in. And that's the approach that I take when I go to these different locations. I really take a calm sit down style approach where um, when I'm speaking to the different um, entities that inhabit these locations, um, I'm really trying to become their voice and tell their story or, um, you know, tell their, you know, try to validate if some of the history and the local legends are true. Mm, yes, absolutely. And um, very, very interesting, um, you know, phenomena. Share with us your, you know, first encounter with, with a ghost or, or that stuff. And what was your reaction like? I know, you know, we can't see your face, but tell us a bit, like, how was it all, like, started and you, how you felt? Well, you know, my very first investigation was at a local restaurant in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It was a restaurant that is located uh, on on a marina. And uh, I was invited to investigate with the team. It was myself and two other guys. And um, the stories coming from this location are that people would uh, see different shadow figures as well as hear different disembodied voices or voices, you know, just kind of coming out of the air. And so um, it was rumored that there was a security guard who haunted this location as well as a lady who was a regular at this particular restaurant and bar. They even had her seat marked off at the end where um, she would always sit every evening when she came in. She had actually uh, passed away of a heart attack. And so, um, so I went on this investigation with these other two men and uh, I was, I was touched, uh, which, which was such a, such a, a strange feeling. Um, it, it actually felt like something was, was touching my leg. Uh, like it was kind of taking its finger and, and poking my leg and then pulling on my pocket. And then um, we also had uh, captured some very, very cool EVPs, which are known as electronic voice phenomenon, which are voices that uh, were responding intelligently to the questions that we were asking. And um, this was a, a Mexican restaurant. And so um, we were ca actually capturing voices that were uh Hispanic in nature and, and none of us spoke Spanish. So that was really cool to capture these voices that we knew it was, it was, uh, none of us speaking. And so, um, you know, it, you know, you see all of this on TV and, and, and I want, before I went, I, I wondered what, you know, what it was going to be like to experience this. If, uh, you know, if it was like you see on TV and, you know, it, it wasn't because it's, you know, it's, um, you spend a lot of time asking questions and spend a lot of time in the dark and, uh, in the quiet. And you don't always know, you know, if you're getting some of those responses until you go back and listen to the recorders. And, 
I remember the first time we heard some of those voices on those recorders. It was almost like a, I remember I felt almost kind of sick to my stomach, but also very excited. And I still get that feeling today when I'm sitting there reviewing the evidence and listening to the recorders and watching the video. Every time I capture something, it's like a mixture of, you know, kind of feeling a little sick to your stomach, but then an adrenaline push of excitement to continue listening and see if you capture anything else. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm already getting goosebumps. It's it's, it's midnight here, close to midnight. Ah yes. <laughs> <laughs> so so we have said the right spooky atmosphere. So let's dig deeper into Coast Piker exploration and about your shows. Yeah. Give us a little glimpse of that. So my shows are around 20 to 40 minutes long and people can watch them on YouTube, Facebook under Ghost Biker Explorations, as well as uh, www.ghostbikerexplorations.com. And I like to travel to the lesser known local stories, local legends that maybe people don't necessarily know about. I'm able to talk about the travel on my motorcycle, as well as tell the stories of what has happened and what the local legends are in this area, and then the paranormal investigation. And, you know, there's not a lot of female-only paranormal investigators that do this by themselves. And so I like to, you know, set, you know, the uh, uh, spooky, creepy type atmosphere, but also um, you know, share, share the history. And so, um, each of those episodes, you know, we, we try to tell the entire story as well as show the investigation from that particular location. Yeah. So, so you, you have mentioned in, you know, our foretalk that you like to ride alone on your Harley Davidson and investigate this place. So, yes. you know, tell us a bit about that. Like, do you have support? Uh, like team, like how you manage to, you know, film and, you know, then edit and publish it to YouTube. Sure. So all of this is self-produced and I, um, you know, I, I spend a lot of time researching the locations before I go to them. If, if I'm going to be investigating for say, you know, six to eight hours at a location, then I always try to double that time in research. So I spend the first couple months researching the location that I'm going to. And because I am traveling on my motorcycle, I do have to pack light. And so I really like to tailor the way I pack and the items that I take to these locations and investigations based on, you know, the research that I've done. So um, if it's a smaller location, I'm able to carry all of my different tools on my motorcycle. If I'm, um, if it's a larger location, like some of the different prisons, hotels, hospitals, and stuff that I've done here in the States, I will have the person who is videoing for me uh, travel with or carry some of that equipment as well. And so we'll go in and we'll spend, you know, spend the evening investigating. If I can spend a couple days, I always like doing that, but we, we don't always get the opportunity to do that. Um, but we'll spend the time investigating. And then I go back and I'm, you know, like I said, I may have a person videoing for me, but uh, if I don't, then 
I come back and I listen to all of my own evidence because I feel like, you know, I was the one who was there in the situation. Um, you know, if someone else who's not been there, they may not know, you know, where I was, what I was doing during that time. So it makes it easier to account for anything unexplainable that may be captured on the recorder and the video. And so I'll review all of the different evidence. I usually give myself about two weeks to get all of the audio listened to, and then four weeks to get all of the video listened to. And then I produce the episodes myself. I'll go in and I try to take everything that I've got, whether it be video or audio evidence, and call it down to that 20 to 40 minutes and pick the music to help set the mood as well as tell the story, tell the um, actual story as to why I'm there and then tell the story of the investigation. So it takes me a couple months just to put one episode together that we'll release in October for the new season. So there's a lot of work that goes into it from the beginning part up until the very end when the episode is finally put together and then doing all of the marketing for it as far as uh, advertising online and putting out there trying to get people to make sure that they watch when it drops uh, in October. I do all of that as well. All right. So uh, it's a very lengthy process because it's, it takes months to, you know, just to release one episode. It does. And, you know, we have a lot of different styles of investigators. You have some that will go and they'll just film what they're doing when they're there. And then you have those of us that are very research minded who go through and listen to all of the, the different recorders and the different uh, cameras that we put out. Because if I'm at a big enough location, I'll put several recorders as well as several different stationary cameras up. And I want to make sure that nothing is is uh, captured or nothing is overlooked in certain areas of the investigation where maybe I'm not at with my camera person. So it is a very lengthy process. And, you know, sometimes I'll do lives from those locations and people will tune in and they'll kind of be my eyes and ears and help tell me because when I do the lives, it's usually just myself there. And so we'll walk around, do different experiments, and they'll be my eyes and ears and tell me if we see or hear something. Yes, yes. Very, uh, very, if, if you're doing live stream and if something goes on and off, it's, it's just, uh, very surprising and very spooky. It is. It is very much. So do you imagine, uh, you know, imagine won't be right word, but do you imagine anything, uh, before visiting that place? Or that project? I sometimes I do. Um, you know, a lot of the time that will happen with with my research. Um, I'm also an artist, so a lot of the time I will sit down and try to draw the location before I go and visit, um, and then you know present the owner of the location with the drawing that I did. And so sometimes whenever I'm doing that, um, I will you know kind of see things or um, you know, kind of, I'm trying to think of the right word, um, sort of have visions of how I want to conduct the investigation or certain types of questions I want to ask or kind of how I want to 
go into the investigation. Um, I'm not, I'm not psychic or I'm not a medium or anything like that. So I don't, um, I don't typically have those type of visions beforehand. It's more just, I guess, a connection with the location, if you will. You know, as as you said, it's been a hell of time doing this stuff, and so so do you sense the energies, you know, mile away, like like you know, let's say someone is you know calling you type, like or act act as a you know magnetic force. Let's say you you have started a new project. And it's been, you know, scheduled for next week. But mm-hmm. but suddenly you thought uh, changes and, you know, you want to go and explore right now. Like, mm-hmm. did you encounter that type of phenomena? I have, actually. And that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, a lot of the time I will try to plan that sort of thing out, but it actually happens quite regularly. And I've learned to when that is the case. To, to, to listen to your gut and do it because um, I don't believe in coincidences. And I think that when that happens, a lot of the time we end up actually encountering some, some uh, pretty cool uh, phenomenon that way. Um, whenever, whenever we do that, you know, when I go to a location, I may think, you know, I'm going to do this experiment in this room and hit this part of the building but a lot of the time I'll go in and just sort of let the building or the location speak to me and tell me where to go. And you'll have, as long as you listen, you'll have things that will kind of lead and guide you where you need to go. And uh, I, I try to, uh, if I have the opportunity, even if I have something planned, um, if I get the uh, feeling that I need to, you know, go to a location or, or stop what I'm riding or wherever. I always do that because a lot of the time something unexpected will happen. So any favorite place, like, you know, literally insane, which, which you have uncovered? Yes. So, um, so I've gone to a lot of different locations. One of those in particular was uh, Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, um, which is a prison here in Petros, Tennessee. And this location was known as end of the line and it's, it housed the worst of the worst. And I've investigated that location on six different occasions. And on one particular weekend, uh, I was honored to be invited there as part of a group investigation. Um, on that Friday night, I investigated by myself. And on the Saturday night, I investigated with a bunch of different teams from around the United States. And on the night that I investigated by myself, I actually ended up sleeping in the solitary confinement unit that was known as the hole. And this area, it's literally down in a hole and it has four different cells. And they would put when the prisoners misbehaved, they would put these prisoners in this area and it was pitch dark. And it was also... um, it was, it was pitch black. You were kept in there for up to 20 something days. And sometimes usually what they would do is you would get two buckets, one <laughs> that had your food in it and one to use the bathroom in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you came out, because it was so dark and because you were so sensory deprived, a lot of the times they couldn't see, they couldn't walk very well. Um, and I know that they, 
would put these prisoners in there up until, they said up until the uh, late 70s, early 80s, and then they deemed it inhumane. But um, on that particular night, I had investigated all night long, decided I was going to sleep in there. And so um, I went into one of the different cells, closed it up, and ended up sleeping there for about three and a half hours. <laughs> and I got three minutes. It, it, was, it was insane. I ended up getting three minutes and 15 seconds of wonderful uh, Class A intelligent and residual EVPs. And I'll explain the difference of that here, here in just a second. Um, but I got everything from really great phantom footsteps. And, you know, if I hadn't had a camera and a recorder there, I mean, you would have thought that, that someone had come in, but I had a camera and recorder and I had all the entrances and exits covered so that you could see nobody came in. And of course, mm -hmm. it was just me on the property. But um, you could hear these phantom footsteps. I had something tell me night, night while I was sleeping. <laughs> I didn't hear it, thankfully. And then I was able to capture what sounded like voices talking in between the cells. And these cells had real thick walk, rock walls in between them. And so um, I got help me and, and conversations. I also got what sounded like um, the laundry upstairs. The, the laundry room was upstairs and there was no power in the entire complex while I was there, but it sounded like somebody had put clothes into a dryer because the dryer has this distinguishable sound, you know, and uh, it all, there was also the sound of what sounded like for five whole minutes somebody bouncing a ball from the floor to the wall oh and just bouncing it back and forth. It, is, it, was, it was crazy. And I ended up finding out that that was actually um, a common thing that they would do back during that time period is they would give the prisoners um, these rubber balls for, um, for them to, to use, you know, cause they, they couldn't, it wasn't something that they could turn into a weapon against each other. So that's something I actually learned after the fact when I was showing my evidence to some different investigators. Uh, one of them was a prison guard. He was able to explain that to me. And so um, I went back and, you know, checked my footage and checked my audio and was very, very thrilled and surprised to find that all of that had happened while I, while I had slept because I actually... I was so tired from investigating that night. I had actually um, slept really, really well. And so we highlighted this evidence and, and everyone can actually watch this uh, on my season two, episode one of uh, Ghost Biker Explorations. That's probably, like I said, some of the best evidence I've ever gotten in one of the most surprising locations. Um, you know, I had mentioned when I was talking to you a few minutes ago that I had gotten intelligent and residual. Those type, that type of, of activity, um, can best be explained with intelligent is just like it sounds. You know, it's, it's, uh, responses that they interact with your questions. They can, you know, from their responses, you realize that they can actually see you, um, and that, um, they are truly intelligent and they are in the moment. Residual is something that is almost like a sound 
or an experience that's trapped in time, almost like whenever you play a record or play um, a CD or something in it, just a continual sound that plays over and over again. The, the activity that I got in the laundry room or the ball bouncing could be a residual sound that, you know, it's usually something that's kind of happening around that uh, time and just sort of going about your normal day-to-day activities. It, I guess it, it would be called, it, it, it's not intelligent and almost just like a recording that plays back in time. Got it, got it. So listeners, you can use your cushion to hide us as we are exploring so many thrills and horror with Miranda Young. So Miranda, uh, which which Harley Davidson you, you you are using? So I ride in a Harley Davidson 883 Iron Sportster, and it's the matte black. Everything is blacked out on it, um, just for that you know extra kind of creepy cool look. And it uh, it's it's essentially a throwback to a '69 bobber style. Yes, I saw you know 880, and it's very dope in in the design, and yes, it suits what you are doing. Thank you, thank you very much. So my following question would be like, have you have you encountered uh, you know something like someone is you know knocking at door or lying on your bed at your house, but when you left that place like your project plays, but it's still with you or, you know, haunting you. I have had that on, on one particular occasion. I did have one th- or something follow me home and I had been investigating at Hell's Bar Dam here in uh, Guild, Tennessee. And it's a dam that used to be in production. Uh, it had a lot of Native American activity, and it's believed that um, the land and the dam was actually cursed. And so I had gone and investigated this location. And when I came home uh, a few days after, I started having some different things happen. I was having some very vivid dreams, as well as uh, different things in my kitchen were being moved into the center of the room. I would go off to work and I would come home and like the the dishes that were sitting there on the counter, they would be moved into the center of the room. So I put a recorder up and this was about a week after I had investigated and was having all of this happen. I uh, put the recorder out and I ended up coming home and was listening to the recorder and about 10 minutes and 13 seconds after I had left my house, you hear my dog. I had a little dachshund and my dog comes in and she's running through the kitchen. She, you can hear her on the recorder and she sounds very distressed and very upset. Mm. And all of a sudden you hear this really gravelly voice say, sugar, stop. And my dog's ironically, my not, my dog's name was Sugar, and Ooh. so um, so after that, I ended up uh, putting some cameras up, and I actually caught um, some things where it was messing with the dog, and um, it so so I had come home from work one day, 
and um, the dog had pulled my motorcycle jacket off of the chair. And my dachshund was a little small dog, about maybe 13 pounds. And motorcycle jackets are, are pretty heavy because yeah. they've got the armor in them. And she had pulled the jacket off and used the bathroom on the jacket. So mm. I was upset yeah. about that. But I went back and watched my footage because I, you know, it was it was out of character for her to do that. <laughs> so I went back, watched the footage, and I actually saw an orb come out of the jacket. I saw the dog pacing back and forth. She goes over to the jacket. There's an orb that comes out of it on the camera. And that's when she pulled the jacket off and used the bathroom. Off. So it was really more of a sort of... Um, I guess, defending her property sort of thing rather than because I thought maybe she was upset with me. So I continued to watch the footage after I came home. And as I'm sitting there in that same room, I'd taken the jacket, cleaned it up, and I was eating dinner. I saw this orb move across the screen. And as I got up to go throw my, my trash away, I saw it turn into what looked like the side profile of a face and follow me out of the room. And my dog was was pacing back and forth. So she was clearly seeing this. I didn't see it. She did. And then um, after I acknowledged it and really was kind of asking some questions and acknowledged that there was something there, as quickly as it came, it left. And so it was almost like it was a, a traveler that had uh, come. And, you know, honestly, I've only ever had that happen from that one location. And I've investigated hundreds of different locations. And I really feel as though before I go to these different places, um, I'll do a prayer of protection before I go. And then before I leave, I do another prayer of protection. And I feel like either Sometimes we either let our guard down or maybe there's something that, um, you know, has a message or something that it wants to uh, wants to really get out. But that's been the only time it it is a very real thing that can happen. Unfortunately, it's only ever happened to me the one time. Unbelievable. And, you know, I, I couldn't imagine Yeah, and a lot of people won't. A lot of people don't want to investigate just just because Uh, that, you know, because that can happen. Um, you know, I really feel that a lot of the time it's the intentions that we have when we go into these places to do our investigations. Um, I feel for myself, when I go in, I go in with the intentions. I'm not really looking for anything negative or dark. That doesn't mean I don't always, I don't find it, but I, I don't go in with that intention. I go in with more that I'm looking to, um, you know, validate the science behind it as well as, you know, share any stories that uh, I may be able to encounter while I'm there. Mm, yeah. yeah. So, so let's talk about, you know, mentality and, you know, mind thing. Let's say, let's say you dig in one uh, haunted house and immediately you faced that thing but but you know it's it's your mind is playing nothing serious yet so how do you know that this is real stuff and this is just an insane level well you know i feel like that's that's really it, where it comes into some of the different equipment that we use as well as 
um, spending a lot of time. You know, I'm not one who will, you know, you'll never hear me say a location is haunted. I'll often, if I put my evidence out there and I get unexplained phenomena that I can't explain, I will either classify the location as active or that I was able to get unexplained activity. If somebody is able to take the evidence that I find and have an explanation for it, then I am definitely open to having that dialogue and that conversation. Um, but sometimes when you're in these places and you're in the heat of the moment and every, and you know, all this activity is happening, it can be really hard sometimes to distinguish between is this my imagination or is this something actually happening that, that, uh, I can't explain. So I always try to account, to account for that. I always try to go in and before I start investigating, I always like to take a lot of pictures and really get the lay of the land and the location that I'm at. That way, if I'm startled and I'm unsure of something, I can always go back and look at my photos and try to determine if, you know, something has changed or if what I'm feeling uneasy about, it has an explanation for. I also will try to look at different things. I go in with sort of a, uh, I'm a skeptical believer. And so I'll go in and I'll sometimes try to, if I'm at a residential location or someone's home, I try to go in and find a logical explanation for some of the things that they're experiencing. So for me, really to try to counteract, you know, and determine as to whether it's just, you know, uh, being scared or or something actually happening or something that I can explain. I always like to, if I can investigate multiple times or recreate the situation, I like to try to do that just to, just to see if it could potentially be something that maybe there's an explanation for, or maybe it's something I'm feeling internally versus actually something unexplained happening. Yeah. But what if you find, you know, uh, unexplained phenomena do you do you you know still uh, search for evidence or you'll just drop it you know after time i will still search um just because when i find something unexplained that really drives me and motivates me to continue looking and to see if i can continue to find the answers um or try to figure out what's going on um i've i've never left a location. Um, I've never ran out scared. Typically, if if something is occurring, I tend to run toward it rather than away from it. Mm. So um, I've never I've never left there. There were a couple situations um, where I have been in darker locations. And, um, you know, things one in particular was called the house on Sunset Hill. And I covered it in season one and season two of my series. And um, that particular house was very dark. And I was having some very, very unexplained, creepy things happen. And I had to take and step outside a couple times just to calm myself and uh, calm my camera guy down as well. Um, you know, I feel like the best way to go into a location is calm and centered and with the right intentions. And when things get 
get a little out of control, it's best to kind of step out of the situation and calm yourself and not go back in until the situation, until you feel like you can handle it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I saw a radio feed on your YouTube channel about uh, Screen Chamber Fest. Tell us a little yes. bit about that. Very interesting stuff there. Oh, this is going to be a very, very fun event. So on June 4th and 5th uh, in Athens, Tennessee, where uh, I've been invited to be a special guest at uh, the Scream Chamber. They're hosting their first annual Scream Fest. And so this location is going to be at the Haunted and Historic Clegg Mansion, which was a location that was uh, is a very haunted and historical location in Athens. Uh, it's known to be very active. And so they're going to have paranormal investigators from the area come in, set up booths, and they're going to have speakers talking about, you know, what we do. And uh, so I'm going to be one of their special guests that will be speaking as well as um, talking about what I do. And I'll have, you know, a table with ghost biker merchandise and everything. And, and uh, we'll be able to do photos and all that. And they're also going to host a, um, they're going to have the area open where you can do investigations, you can do daytime tours, as well as, uh, you know, listen to, to live music and uh, have an overnight investigation there as well. Oh, great. Very interesting stuff would be there in June 4 and June 5th. Yes. All right. So that would be available to stream on YouTube or Facebook? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, people will be able to uh, watch that on uh, YouTube or the Facebook channel. It'll probably be live on the Facebook channel and then uh, be posted after I come back on the YouTube channel. Sure, I'll I'll hit the link in show notes so our listeners Wonderful. can, you know, stream Wonderful. it. Yeah. So when can we expect Miranda Season 4 or any new project you would like to share with us? Absolutely. So um, so we've, we've had three great seasons come out. Season 4 is going to come out in October. Uh, it will release every Tuesday night during the month of October. And I believe the very first date that uh, episode one of season four will come out will be Tuesday, October 5th. And that will be at 9 p.m. Eastern time and run throughout the month of October. There will also be lives every Thursday night where I talk about each of those episodes as well as have anyone on that helped me do guest investigations or um, uh, I will talk about different tools that I was used in each episode and show some behind the scenes stuff. That's the big project that's coming up. I've got a lot of different meet and greets throughout the country at different Harley at different Harley Davidson dealerships, as well as uh, different haunted and historic locations throughout the year. And we've got those dates set up on the website as well uh, of when those will be occurring. And and also as well as some different haunted motorcycle rides that we've got coming up. And uh, also every Thursday night right now, uh, I have a live stream called Shop Talk Live from the Ghost Biker Garage, and I have different investigators, podcasters, um, musicians, anyone that's doing things in the paranormal community. 
I have them come on and talk about their locations and their projects that they're doing. And that's every Thursday night right now until um, the season premiere in October. Yeah, it's very interesting. And listeners do check out and every links mentioned in the show notes for you. How can I miss asking you what's your go-to horror movie? Oh, I would say there's so many because I love horror movies. Probably my go-to horror movie would have to be anything in the, um, my most current would probably be anything in the Conjuring series. Mm. Uh, I love the Conjuring, but um, I'm really kind of old school as well. So my favorite horror movie is probably uh, The Shining. Same. Yeah. Same. <laughs> Stephen King. Yeah. Yes, my favorite. And and I've been to that hotel and so uh, it's it's just as creepy in person as it is on the show. Okay, have you? Oh, great, great. Yes. One of my favorite movies and Stephen King's all movies are I think like that, you know, a different yes, they genre. Make you think. Yes. Yeah, you can't say it's horror, but you can say it's horror like you know, mm -hmm. it's a lot of psychological and and a lot in your mind. You know, and and that's what I think I really like about that the the old slasher movies of um, the eighties and nineties. You know, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and and uh, Evil Dead and uh, Jason Friday the Thirteenth. I love watching all of those, but the psychological horror ones are probably the ones that that are my favorite. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a uh, you know. Uh, training right now with A24 productions, movies and all. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So before saying goodbye, mention every avenue our listeners can, you know, connect with you as I'm sure our listeners would be definitely going to watch every episode of Ghost Biker Exploration as I'm hooked to it. Well, thank you. And again, thank you so much, Kush, for having me on. And thank you to the listeners for listening. Uh, I hope that you guys will reach out and connect with me on the Ghost Biker Explorations Facebook page. I'm very active on there. Um, if you want to message me and tell me some of your stories that you've had, um, I'm very responsive, but you can also watch all of the lives that I have coming up as well as the, the previous seasons and the upcoming seasons. You can also um, watch them on the Ghost Biker Explorations YouTube channel and then also on www.ghostbikerexplorations.com on the website. On that website, I've got everything from Ghost Biker merchandise to photos, to some of the drawings that I do and the different um, investigations and meet and greets that I've got coming up. And then I'm also very active on Instagram under Runaway Vixen. Great. And thank you, Miranda, for this epic and very dark conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. I enjoyed being able to share my story. And like I said, I hope that your listeners enjoy the, the past seasons and will watch those catch up and reach out to me on social media. Absolutely. I'm sure they're going to you know, explore every episode. Thank you. Thank you so much. So that was episode 9 of Are You Familiar With This Podcast with Miranda Young. As always, if you like this episode, subscribe to it whenever you are listening or tuning this and do rate us on Podchaser. 
every links on show notes. So stay tuned until next time.